Chapter 10, A Crisis in Thessalonica. When Timothy comes to Corinth, rejoining Paul there, he's returning from Thessalonica. Thessalonica has had a continued persecution throughout this time, even though Paul has left to ease the tension there. The believers have remained steadfast, as Timothy reports. Uh, believers from other churches in Macedonia have come to visit the Thessalonian church and, uh, and encourage them. And so with this, with this encouragement and this support, they have in fact remained steadfast. This picture here is believed to be one of the meeting places that the persecuted church, the early first century persecuted church in Thessalonica was meeting. Of course, they wouldn't have, have had electric lights and these type of benches and stuff, but, but this is still believed to be an ancient uh, meeting place of the persecuted church there in that area. Uh, despite their, their, their strength under persecution, there are some things that, that are causing troubles, a bit of a crisis in the Thessal Thessalonian church. One of those things is that a number of people have returned to a, a looser lifestyle of fornication and, and just kind of, they're, they're just trying to blend in with the rest of society so that they're not so obviously part of the church and so that they can avoid some of the harsher persecutions. And in addition to that, some of the believers have died. Uh, we don't know if they've died from sickness or from persecution, but some of them have died. And being just a very young church, the believers in Thessalonica have questions about what happens to believers when they die. And so when Timothy brings this report to Paul in Corinth, Paul sits down in the year 51 and he writes a letter to the Thessalonians. And this is what is in our Bibles today as 1 Thessalonians, uh, written in 51 AD from Corinth to the six-month-old church in Thessalonica. He writes to bring them comfort in their time of persecution. He reminds them of the first things he taught them not that long ago. They've kind of uh, moved off from just the simple gospel message and kind of thought about other things. And he's kind of brings them back to that center of Jesus Christ. And he answers their questions about uh, what happens to believers after they die. In this letter, he also anticipates that the Judaizers of the circumcision party will at some point arrive in Thessalonica. And uh, so he writes a few things to combat that uh, that teaching that he anticipates will come, uh, even though it doesn't seem to have arrived there yet. And so, uh, having written this letter, he sends Silas and Timothy uh, from Corinth back to Thessalonica to deliver the letter. And just keep in mind, as we go through each of these letters, what I said about letters in the first century. Uh, Silas and Timothy would have been schooled in how to expound and expand on each of the points in the letter and their teaching would have been seen and received as coming with the authority of Paul because he had taught these men exactly what he meant and what was uh, what was to be taught there. So then during this time, uh, Paul continues in the synagogues in Corinth, uh, teaching and, and trying to persuade people from the Old Testament that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises. And eventually the Corinthian Jews kick him out of the synagogues. And in this case, he does something we don't see him doing anywhere else. And that is he shakes the dust off his feet as he leaves the synagogue. And he says he's not going to go to the synagogues anymore. Uh, it breaks his heart 
as we see in the book of Romans later on, that, that the Jews have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was for them and then for the world, but they continually, time and again, city by city, uh, throw Paul out and cause the trouble. And so he changes his perspective. He changes his strategy. Going forward, he's going to focus on the Gentiles. He's going to leave the Jews to their own thing, and he's going to leave the synagogues, and he's going to preach the gospel among the Gentiles. And interestingly enough, even in Corinth, as Paul makes this shift, uh, things go very well. He focuses on the Gentiles. Uh, the mission goes better. The church is grows and is strengthened. And, and uh, even Cyprius, the synagogue ruler and his household, are converted and join the church. So it seems that even his ability to reach the Jews goes better when he stops focusing on the Jews. And so uh, he, from this time forward, in the book of Acts, we see this shift in the ministry of Paul. Uh, he's made a decision that going to the synagogues is just causes too much trouble. Paul stays in Corinth for at least 18 months, which is a long time for him. Uh, God has promised to protect him there. The ministry goes very well, and Corinth becomes a vibrant community of God's people uh, expressing the kingdom of Jesus Christ in that area and in that town. While he's still in Corinth, the spring of 52, uh, Paul receives word back from Thessalonica, and it turns out that the believers have misunderstood some of what he wrote. Uh, and so they've understood that the Lord is coming, returning so soon that there's no point of even working or or trying to make a living. And so some of them, and particularly those women who have prominence in the city, have 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 quit their jobs, quit their activities, and they've just kind of become, I think the best translation is busybodies in the church, just stirring up trouble. And so at this time, still in Corinth, uh, Paul writes second his second letter to the Thessalonians. Again, he seeks to comfort them in their persecution. He corrects the teaching on the Lord, the day of the Lord, uh, that was misunderstood from his first letter. And he corrects those who have quit their jobs and become busybodies in the church. And so uh, it would be a good time to read First uh, and Second Thessalonians with these ideas in mind, with this historical con context in mind. Sometime around uh, the, the end of his time in Corinth, the money that he had received from Philippi runs out, and Paul returns to working with Priscilla and Aquila to make his living. He absolutely refuses to accept support from the local church because he wants to send the very clear and strong message that the gospel of Jesus Christ is free. It doesn't cost anything. And so, um, in the summer of 53, Paul leaves Corinth. Uh, we're going to continue the journey now. He leaves Corinth and sails to Ephesus. He brings with him uh, he brings with him Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, what has happened in Corinth is there's been a trial. Uh, some some of the Jewish leaders have managed to bring Paul to trial in Corinth, claiming that he's promoting an illegal religion. The governor in Corinth. Uh, says it's an internal matter between the Jews, and uh, he throws the case out of court. He won't hear it. Uh, Paul stays a little longer, but he sails to Ephesus. 
Aquila and Priscilla have become obviously good friends, co-workers, both in the tent making, but also in the gospel, and they come with him to Ephesus. Paul preaches briefly in Ephesus uh, and stays for a little bit, but then he sails on to Caesarea in his return trip to Jerusalem and, uh, and leaves Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus to continue the work. He trusts them to start and plant the church there. Uh, in his absence. Uh, as Paul returns to to Palestine, uh, he leaves Silas in his hometown in Jerusalem. Uh, Timothy travels back to Lystra, and Paul goes back to his home base in Antioch. And there we, we leave them uh, for, for the time being to pick up his next journey in chapter 11. <music>